program. All right. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to our monthly virtual chat. This month, we're talking about the SECURE Act 2.0 and what's changed. And we have a treat today because actually oh. one of Keystone's advisors is being the <laughs> presenter. So usually they're also participating. So Kim Dyer is here today, and she's going to be sharing about the SECURE Act 2.0. And I think everybody on the call mainly knows Ms. Dyer, but she is one of those advisors that really uh, takes into account your personal goals and, and what you're trying to accomplish. And she is a masterful strategist. So trying to find uh, the best the best financial portfolio for you based on, on your needs. So we're excited to have her here with us. And I'm going to turn the presentation over to Kim. Take it away. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, like Susan said, we're going to talk about the SECURE Act. And it was originally a, a approved clear back in 2019. Uh, it was approved at the end of 2019. And uh, you know, the government always has, uh, when they name something like SECURE, that stands for setting every community up for retirement enhancement. So that's what the SECURE Act is all about. It's really uh, they're focusing on trying to make retirement rules better for all of us and make us more conscious and do more in regards, uh, in regards to retirement. Um, we thought it was just one act, but they have approved this 2.0. So there's more changes that got made in uh, 21. And we've been told that uh, they have distributed new changes again that are being reviewed and uh, for public comment. And so there will be more changes that we anticipate in 2022. They're uh, really focusing on uh, the age of when you change your RMD. So, we aren't gonna talk about those proposed changes because they might not come about, but just know that this SECURE Act started in 2019 and it's continuing to give. <laughs> so when you hear it, there'll be more changes and things to think about. So uh, I guess uh, uh, Susan introduced myself, but uh, this is my background and information and I, uh, recently, uh, last year, passed the enrolled agent so I could spend more time talking about taxes uh, or feel like I have the background to do that. And this is Pam Prine, my business partner. And uh, between the two of us, uh, we like working together. We like bouncing ideas off of each other. So every client gets both of us at the same time. Uh, and then this is a disclosure that we just want you to know we aren't attorneys and that any information tidbits that you get, you should take to your own tax specialist and your own attorney and, uh, and get uh, their opinion. Okay, so we talked about the SECURE Act already and when it was approved. And today there'll be some key takeaways. Uh, talking a little bit about small businesses and what this new act does for small employers. 
talking about uh, part-time employers and some changes that were made for uh, those individuals. One of the main changes with the SECURE Act was changing when you have to take required minimum distributions. So this RMD is a big deal. If you have a qualified plan, if you have a 401k, an IRA, at some point the government says, now you have to take money out of the plan and pay tax on it. And that's the required minimum distributions. So that's what they're focusing on is when do you have to start taking the money out? So we're gonna just talk about the rules associated with that. And then we're gonna talk about non-spouse beneficiaries on your qualified money or your IRAs. And then uh, just in general talking about that now annuities are going to be offered as part of 401k plans. So the main issue with the SECURE Act, like I said, they're changing the age from 70 and a half to 72, but, and they're allowing uh, qualified plans to go to a spouse. But if a non-spouse inherits, this act is saying uh, you can't, you have to take it out sooner. So most of these rules are about who has to take it out and when do they have to take it out. And it changes uh, trust documents and it changes planning, estate planning, because maybe you wanted your legacy to be that you're gonna leave this qualified money uh, to your heirs and they would have a lifetime income and that's changing. They've even changed Roth IRA. So they're saying, or they're, that's one of the things that they're proposing in this 2022 is they're saying you only have so long as an heir, whether it's Roth or IRA, before you have to take the money out. So that's, that's what we're going to focus on and talk about today a little bit. So what they used to call an heir or somebody that inherited an IRA, that there used to be what's called a stretch, meaning you could stretch it for the rest of your life. So you could leave an IRA to a child and they could get an income stream for their entire life. And the government had has a chart that says, if you're a non-spouse and you've inherited, then you take out a little bit each year and pay tax on it. So you can stretch how long that IRA or qualified money lasts. And what they've done is they've eliminated with the SECURE Act, they've eliminated the stretch strategy. And that's what I was talking about that you now leaving that IRA to an heir they can't keep it for their lifetime. Now they have to do a little bit different planning. So. Now they're saying 10 year rule. So if you inherit an IRA or this Roth IRA, that you have 10 years, and let me clarify, 
this is a non-spouse, you have 10 years to take the money out and pay the tax. And they have made exceptions and we're gonna review some of those exceptions. And that's where it starts getting complicated is when they've set up all of the categories of beneficiaries and who can, uh, who is exempt and who's not. So it affects your beneficiaries. It really doesn't change. This act changes when you have to start taking your required minimum distribution, but it doesn't change the, the tax. You can hold on to that IRA money for the, for the rest of your life. It's mostly about the legacy and your beneficiaries of that account. So now what the government has said through the SECURE Act is there are three categories of beneficiaries. So your eligible designated beneficiary, meaning you're eligible to receive the IRA and continue it as your own or stretch it. So there are some exceptions and we'll kind of go over those. There's non-eligible beneficiaries, meaning you don't get to stretch it. <laughs> so you fall into, the, into that category. And then there's the non-designated beneficiary, which is everybody else. So they've got all these acronyms. It really, it, it's a, a lot of new words, but it's really saying if you're eligible, if you're an eligible designated beneficiary to carry on your stretch or have the IRA as yours, if you're not eligible and then everybody else that fall, falls into the third category. So eligible, um, you're exempt from that 10-year rule. And so it's surviving spouses, which is a good deal. So that doesn't really change the rule for the spouse. So if you have a, a 401k or an IRA, it can go to your surviving spouse. And um, you still have the option of deciding um, if you want to leave it in your spouse's name or in put it in your name, you have choices there. And sometimes if you're under age 59 and a half and you've passed away, but your spouse is over 59 and a half, maybe you want to leave it in your spouse's name so you can access money. So there are tax issues or reasons about access that you might handle that uh, IRA differently. It also allows minor children to keep the IRA, but then when they turn the age of majority at 18, then they no longer can keep the IRA. Then they have, then they start, they get switched over to the 10-year rule. And it's not eligible for grandchildren. Uh, one of the nice things they did though is Disabled individuals or special needs individuals, they're exempt. So you, they're exempt from that 10-year rule. 
And then uh, this is kind of a quirky one. Individuals not more than 10 years younger than their IRA owner. So that's kind of a quirky one, but it's there. And those people are eligible uh, to carry on the IRA. Uh, and there are some qualifying trusts that are eligible. But one of the things that we tell people at this point is to make sure if you had your trust done before 2019, make sure you go back to your uh, attorney and have them relook because most trusts, we need to make sure that they have the Secure Act language in it, and you've and you've uh, you've made plans in your trust and in your estate plans uh, in regard to the Secure Act. Uh, I think I've kind of talked about this, the payout rules, and they're unaffected by that designee. The non-eligible, you now have 10 years. And grandchildren, older children, and some trusts don't qualify, they become non-eligible. And that's where we say, we want you to go back to your attorney and have it looked at. The rules right now say that you have 10 years. So you could take a 10th each year. You could take some every third year, just so long as by the 10th year, you have it all out. So at the end of the 10th year, if you've taken none, then you have to take the balance all at, at one time. What the new rules that they're looking at coming out in 2022, they're wanting to make required minimum distributions for the, the uh, non-spouse beneficiary. So that's one of the things that they're looking at. Um, and so we've kind of talked about this, no stretch, no RMD, RMDs at this time. And by the 10th year, you have to have it all taken out. Um, so non-designated beneficiaries, there's really no change uh, to the prior law, but certain charities, estates, trusts, if they don't have that non-look-through uh, language, then you're not eligible to stretch and the funds have to come out and be you have to pay for, you have to pay the tax on the IRA. So when it goes to that beneficiary, they have to pay the tax. Now a charity doesn't pay tax anyway, so that's not a huge difference, but they are in the non-designated category. Um, an interesting thing, if you have a charity plus three kids, that are your beneficiaries. If you don't re-register the account by September of the year following the death, 
if you have that charity as one of your beneficiaries and it hasn't been paid out, that can trigger uh, how your other beneficiaries that they also have to pay the tax, that the money all has to be distributed. So when you add a charity or, or just having uh, trusts and your estate plan, you need to be cautious when you have a non-designated beneficiary involved. Uh, if the owner dies before they began their RMD, and that's a required beginning date is something you'll hear more about when you get closer to that required minimum distribution. If you haven't, uh, if the owner dies before that start date, uh, the account must be withdrawn by the end of the fifth year. So that's also uh, an interesting twist on when you do pass and how, uh, how that's handled. So, uh, if the owner, uh, I was just going to say, if the owner dies after uh, the required minimum distribution, then you have the 10 years. So if you've inherited an IRA, now what? And I talked about this a little bit, but the spouse has options. So the spouse can transfer it and combine it with your own IRA or the spouse can leave it in, uh, in their spouse's name and take uh, required minimum distributions based on the spouse's age. Uh, there's no deadline for making that change. So that's interesting. You can take, you can leave it, let's say you were under 59 and a half, you can leave it in your spouse's name so you can access the IRA. And then once you turn 59 and a half, you can go ahead and move it over to your own IRA. So IRAs, you can move into your own. You can also, as a spouse, not accept an IRA, and then it would go to your contingent beneficiaries. So there are times when maybe it's better just to let it go to your contingent beneficiaries or to some children, maybe tax, tax reasons, but, uh, uh, good to know that you don't have to accept an IRA and pay that tax. Non-spouse, the options are, it depends on if you're, which category you fit in as to when that has to be distributed. And there are rules associated with each category. Uh, trusts as beneficiaries, we always are cautious about having trust the beneficiary on an IRA. And it's a good thing to talk with your attorneys about. So just, just remember that there's advantages because sometimes you have a beneficiary, well, there's special needs issues, there's minor children issues, but sometimes you have a child that has a gambling problem or is recovering from an, an abuse problem, and you don't want them to have access to all those funds, uh, 
you can't control that without without having the trust and it would be bad for that individual. And so there are advantages to having the trust as the beneficiary and then distribute it. But we need to make sure that it has the right, what they call look through or conduit language in the trust. And it needs to have the language of the new SECURE Act. So just some things to think about. Uh, so we talked about this already. If the trust is prior to 2020, be sure and get it looked at. We think that's important. And uh, there may be some grandfather rules, but there may not be, and we don't want you to get caught. Uh, Roth IRAs, if it's your Roth IRA, there are no required minimum distributions. But when, they, when it transfers to your heirs, your heirs have to take RMDs, which is interesting, but it, you don't have to pay tax on it. So, but you do have to take it out within the 10 years. And on an RMD, if you don't, if you don't do the required minimum distributions when they're requested or when they're required, there's a 50% penalty, which they've got our attention with that kind of a penalty. So it's, it's one of those things you can't ignore. You need to be conscious of what the rules are. And, uh, but as long as you follow them, you know, you don't have to worry about that, that huge penalty, but it can be an issue for your legacy carrying on, which is just important to know. Uh, this is where I talked about, you have until September of the year following the death to go ahead and get that charity paid out so that it doesn't trigger the other beneficiaries to have to do a distribution. So that's important to know that date. And then all of the beneficiaries have to, if they inherit, they all have to take or all have to re-register the account in the name of the beneficiary. So for example, I had two older brothers. And when my dad passed away, we had until December of the following year to get the account re-registered in each of our names. Then what they do is they split it up between the three of you and they put, put the funds in each of the accounts. And then each of us, each of the beneficiaries can make their own decisions about when they want to distribute. If you don't do that, then you're all bound by the same regulations. So it's, it's important to think about that December 31st date following a death. Uh, this RMD, we've talked about that. They've changed it to, from 70 and a half now to 72. And uh, they had some transition rules, but really most of those don't apply. So the year you turn 72 uh, is when you're when you need to start your required minimum distribution. You have until April of the following year to distribute it. 
But if you don't do it by that in the year you turn 72, then you have to do two distributions in the year you turn 73. So again, that's a tax issue. Do you want two RMDs in one year or do are you know, sometimes you get a lump sum when you quit work, some of those kinds of things. So it makes sense to delay. So each person is different, but we usually tell people to go ahead and start the year they turn 72. Uh, one of the things that uh, they did with the new law is they allow an exception for early distribution for adoption, which is nice. Uh, used to be there was a 10% penalty, but now they'll allow if you're using the money for adoption that there's an exception for that. So that was a nice addition to the law. Uh, we talk a lot to our clients about qualified charitable distributions. So if you are 70 and a half, um, they left the rule at seven, this qualified charitable distribution at 70 and a half rather than moving it to 72 just to confuse things. But at 70 and a half, you can take a distribution from your IRA. And as long as it goes direct to the charity, you don't touch it, then it isn't income to you personally. So that's nice. Uh, with the standard deductions now, when you're filing your taxes, you don't get as much. Uh, you can't deduct charity, charitable contributions as much. So this is a nice way if you do a distribution straight to the charity from your IRA, the income is not taxable to you. So that's a, that's a good thing. And uh, we try to tell as many people about that because a lot of people are giving money to charity and they don't realize that that's a way to avoid tax on that income. Uh, here's some rules associated with that. You have to have you know, the letter from the charity, and it has to be a qualified 501c3, and the maximum amount is 100,000. One of the things to know is that it's not clear on the 1099 that they send at the end of the year. So sometimes accountants doing the tax return don't know about a box that you need to check to say this isn't taxable. So just know that if you've given straight to the charity, there's some instructions uh, to give to your accountant when you take your 1099 in for that distribution. Uh, we've had people do a charitable deduction and then not then still pay the tax on it. So we don't want that to happen. Uh, we want you to get your rightful deductions on the tax return. So I hope that was a lot of information uh, in a short amount of time. So I hope that you got some tidbits. And uh, the main thing is to know that the SECURE Act impacts your beneficiaries the most. And the new legislation that is coming out in 2022 is gonna look at when do you have to start your required minimum distributions? Uh, we'd like to offer you this 
roadmap to retirement. And you can go on our website and down, uh, request this, this publication. Uh, I, uh, I guess I would open it up, Susan, to questions if there are any. Well, because that was just clear as mud, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So lots of things to consider. So uh, if you have questions that you want to ask Kim, go ahead and you can get unmuted and, and put in your questions because I know a lot of times when you come to these presentations, you have a particular question on your, on your mind and we want to be sure that's answered. So we'll go ahead and uh, unmute if anybody has questions. Eric, do you have something? So it seems like this Secure Act 2.0 is kind of an evolving thing, obviously, um, Kim. But it, it, like yesterday, I think they they passed something yesterday about, was that when they passed the age thing yesterday? Am I correct? I thought they, it's just, it has until... I thought the 15th of June for public opinion. I didn't okay. think it passed yet. Okay. I might be wrong about it because I, I didn't look at the news, but they're certainly discussing it and it's on the table for sure. Okay. And then um, I, I, I'm not asking you to look into your crystal ball, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any um, thoughts as to, what else might be changed in the next, I don't know, year, two, three years? Any, any idea what they might be looking at? We, um, when we, when we think about Roth IRA and what that does for tax planning and being available, we really feel like that's going to stay around because, well, for one thing, we feel like it impacts a lot of the senators and congressmen and themselves. And yeah. so we don't, we don't think they're motivated to change that. Um, and the other issue is that the government gets a lot of tax from people who do convert their IRA to Roth IRA. No, yeah, I know uh, that. Yeah, so they, so, you know, I think the way they are looking at conversions and those kinds of things, we feel like that's going to be around, that they're going to allow people to make, to, to convert their IRA to Roth IRA. Um, we, we originally thought there might be an issue uh, with them changing the tax tables prior to 2026 when the Trump tax tables go away. But we really think, uh, we're feeling like Congress is having a hard time coming, uh, making a decision. And they've got so many other issues that maybe the Trump tax tables will stay in effect until 2025 and then 2026, they go back to uh, its 2017 tax tables. The other thing about that is that it adds 10%. So it's not just going back to the pre-Trump table or tax tables. So if you were in a, if you're in a 22% now, 
you might be in a 35% under the trunk. So that those things are coming in 2026. But we think okay. we think everything will be the same <clears throat> until then. So about three years, well, something might change. Right. Okay. That's what we're. We like I said originally, we thought they might change it, but it really looks like it's. Of course, they could come to an agreement and make a decision, but at this point, they don't. What they're looking at for RMDs is very confusing. I don't know if you've read any of it, but they're looking at saying, if you turn 73 in 2023, you don't have, or you don't have to start until 2023. If you turn 73, it's, they're moving the 72 to 73 in 2023. That's what I was trying to say. Right. So, right yeah. uh, so in 2022, you have to start at 72. In 2023, you have to start at 73. In 2024, you have to start at 74. And in 2025, you have to start at 75. So they're moving that age date. And that's a concern because if you don't do your RMD like you're supposed to, that 50% penalty, that's- oh, That's huge. It is. So, so I hope those are a couple of things that we're looking at. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that, that cements a couple of things in my head, okay. But I, I think it's good that they're taking care of special needs and disabled people. Uh -huh. and, uh, I think the attorneys, I've been talking to a few and there are things that they can do in your trust, but it's important that you go back and see the attorneys and have your trust updated so that it has the right language in there. Okay, thank you. Okay. Any other questions for Kim? Okay. All right. Lori, did you have something? I can't tell. No. Okay. No, all right. You're good. <laughs> okay. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you all for attending today. As you know, I will um, go ahead and send you the recording. And as always, if you think of some questions that you have after you've processed a little bit, just be sure to give our office a, a call or just send us an email. We're happy to you know, get those questions answered for you. So thank you very much for attending today. And we hope you all have a good week. Okay. Thank you. All Take right. care. Yeah, All right. Everybody. Thank you very Bye -bye. much. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye. -bye. Bye.